so if y'all didn't guess from that song tonight, we are going to be talking about prayer. <laughs> but I want to I ask y'all something. How many of y'all have been hearing the prophets and the pastors uh, talking about that we are coming to this time where we are going to see the greatest movement of God that this earth has ever seen? How many of y'all have heard that? Yeah. And how many of you are super excited about that idea? Yeah, me too. But how many of you are sitting around and saying, man, I wonder when it's going to happen? Boy, I wish that would happen, and I wish it would happen now. Is there anybody else like that here? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're wanting to see this thing. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can get a little discouraged, right? I mean, we can sit back and go, uh, you know, um, I'm just waiting for this to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Do you know that if you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, that you are fully loaded for the supernatural? You have got everything in you that you need to be a supernatural being. You know, like when you go and buy an automobile and they say, do you want the fully loaded? That means you get all the extras, you know, all the nice stuff. Well, God gave that to you. As a matter of fact, he set you free from the bondage of sin. That means the things that used to control you no longer can control you. That's Romans 6.14. You can come boldly to the throne room. You have access to God day or night. You have an audience with God day or night. Hebrews 4.16. Jesus himself sits at the right hand of the Father and prays for you, according to Romans 8.34. You have the word of God, which has been given to you for instruction and for you to be thoroughly equipped, according to 2 Timothy 3.16-17. It's also your weapon. It's your sword that you use against the enemy, right? That's in Ephesians 6.17. You've been given power over all the power of the enemy, according to Luke 10, 19. Okay? The name of Jesus. You've been given the name of Jesus, the power of attorney over the name of Jesus. That's according to John 14, 14. You've been given creative power of your imagination, according to Proverbs 23, 7. And of your mouth and your words, according to Mark 11, 23, 24. Now, we all know that one, do we not? Absolutely. Okay. Not only that, now, not only that, you've been given ministering spirits. You've been given angels to help you. Amen. Hebrews 1, 14. You, no matter how you grew up, see, none of this matters how you grew up or what your family's like. No, 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 because you've been made a child of God. Amen. You are the children of God. You are royalty, according to John 1.12. You have status in the earth, even if the world thinks that you're a nobody, according to Revelation 1.6. You've been made kings and priests. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, the priest was the only one that could go in and see God, go into the Holy Holies. Well, not only can you go into the throne room, you are the Holy of Holies. Amen. And the priest was the only one that could make a difference for other people in the land. He could go to God. He did go to God for, for the other people. Well, now you've been made the priest. Now you've been made a king. Well, what's a king do? Well, the king establishes law, and he decrees a thing, and it becomes it, it, it's so. People go out and do it. Well, you've been given that power, right? So you've been made a king and a priest. You're children of God. you got the name of Jesus. you got power over the enemy. You've been set free from your past. You've got the word of God. I mean, we're rocking along here. We're, we're, we're doing all right. You have been given every spiritual blessing, according to Ephesians 1.3, in the heavenly places. It's already given to you. It doesn't say you will be. It says you have been given. You've been given everything that pertains to life and to godliness, according to 2 Peter 1.3. You have already, already been given divine healing, according to 1 Peter 2, 24. Jesus himself promised that those who believed in him, followers and believers in him, would be able to cast out devils, speak with other tongues, and heal the sick. That's Mark 16, 17. Jesus himself said the works that he did 
you would do and even greater works than these. Jesus himself said that in John 14, 12. God has already said yes to every promise in this word, everything, all the promises are yes and amen, amen. according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. And then this is where we have to get to. You know why all of this is possible? Because when Jesus died and made you alive the way he made you alive, is he gave you the very spirit that raised him from the dead. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit, according to John 14, 12. Now, if the word is true, and we believe that it is, right? Okay? And we know all this. This has all been given to us. And we're all excited to see the, the, the miracles of God and see the amazing things happen. And yet, we're not seeing it. Not the way we should. Not the way the Bible describes it. How many of you think that your life looks like, uh, say, Peter? How many of you think your life looks like Paul? So, then we have to ask ourselves, if I've been given all of this and I'm fully equipped to do every good work and I've given, God's given me everything to be supernatural, I've been created as a supernatural being, where's the disconnect? See, what happens is we, we come into church each week, we come in here and we say, oh man, I sure hope that something amazing happens at church. And we all like that. I like it too. I like it when I come in and, you know, as a praise band, we're on and the Holy Spirit, we've got an anointed song and you guys get into it. And, and then the, the Spirit's flowing and the pastor gets up and he's got a word and, and, and then he gets, he gets a word for somebody to get healing and we bring them up. And the next thing you know, we're all dancing and shouting and we're having a fabulous time. But how often is that happening? Not enough. Not enough, right? I was listening to Kevin Zadai on, on YouTube recently, and he was talking about a, a recent visit that he had with, with, with Jesus, that he had gone to the throne room, he had seen Jesus. And God had told him this. Jesus told him this. He said, everybody wants revival. Stop looking for revival. You are the revival. You are the revival. In other words, he said for, for years, decades now, what's been happening is pastors go. See, we, we, we come in and we're like spectators. We come in and we go, man, I hope pastor's super anointed today and I hope the praise band's been praying. I hope they're super anointed. And man, I could really use a touch of the Holy Ghost. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the problem. That's under the law. Do you know that's how it worked under the law? Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. See, the people couldn't go and, and get, get touched by God. They couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. It was only the priest who could do that. It was only the priest who could do that. And for too long, we've gotten into this comfort zone where we don't want to do the work to be charged up and come in here. And, and see, we're waiting on pastor to do it. We're waiting on the man of God to do it. We want Mark Hankins to do it. We'd like kind of glory to do that. We want somebody to bring it to us. We're acting like we're not children. See, when you were made a child, you, you, you are now the supernatural. You, you're supposed to bring the supernatural. You, you're supposed to do it. So we have, we have to ask ourselves, what's happening? It's no longer a one-man show. The truth is, is that if we want to see this move, this powerful move of God, we can no longer sit and let it be a one-man show. God never intended for it to be that way. He never did. You are the revival. Do you know what the end? Listen, listen, we've been doing this for a long time, and it's easy to stay in our little rut and just do the things that we, you know, we've always done, just the way we've always done it. It's just easy for us, isn't it? It's easy. All of us have habits. You even have habits you'd like to break, and you don't break them. And you know why you don't break them? Because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Gets out of your comfort zone. You don't break them. Right? But do you know what the the definition of insanity is? (laughs) 
<laughs> to keep doing the same thing the same way and hope you're going to get a different result. The truth is, is that for all the prophesying that the prophets and the pastors have done, we won't see this move if we don't bring it. Amen. If we don't bring it. Now, let's find out what, what's missing here. Let's, just, let's, let's take a look. Now, I'm going to take you back. So let's go to Genesis 11.1. Let's just find out what's going on. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, and that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make brick and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now listen, I want you to catch this. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing, absolutely nothing, that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Notice they all had one language, and they were one. There was many, but they were in accord with each other. They had one language, and they were one. Okay? And God said, come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And if you drop down, we know it says, therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Okay, now, they had the power to do anything that they wanted to. That's what God said. Now remember, before this Tower of Babel, there weren't a bunch of languages. We just read that. There weren't a bunch of languages. There was one language on the earth. We didn't have Spanish. You know, we tend to think of it as, we, they were probably speaking Hebrew. Well, that was a man's language. Remember that God talked with Adam in the garden. Okay? And could it be? Could it be? that the language all the people were still speaking was God's language. And see, when God wanted to take away power, he associated and linked power with language. He said, i got to scatter them and take away their language so that they're not able to do evil things because they were trying to do something evil. Now, I want you to think about something for a moment. Uh, it's not possible for us to go up into the atmosphere without dying, okay? I mean, in our current state, we can't just go up. But apparently these people were doing something sort of supernatural because God felt that he needed to tear it down. So that leads me to believe that language was powerful, okay? So now we see where language got scattered. We see that when God wanted to take away power... And to stop them from doing evil, he scattered their language. But now, but now, I want us to go over. We see where the Tower of Babel happened, and I want us to see where the reverse of the Tower of Babel happened. Let's go over to Acts 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. There it is. They were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now what we see here is that when God wanted to take away power, he took language. When God wanted to give power, he gave language. 
if you could just go over one chapter and you look at Acts 1.8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So now God's relating language to power. Language is power. Okay, so God took away a language to take away power. God gave a language to give power. But not just any, it's not just, first I want to tell you something. Do you know what the word accord means? I mean, we think we know what it means. Let me just, it says to give or grant someone power, status, or recognition. To give or grant power, status, or recognition. Okay? Why is that important? Now, immediately, what we see here is after, the, after the, uh, the, the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues, miracles were immediately following this. If we go and read it, let's look at it. Let's just look at some of it. Let's just look. Okay? It says, so we were in chapter 2, Okay? It's, and just go over one, just three. It says, first of all, Peter and John, they preached, and they added 3,000 people to the church. This is after they got filled with the Holy Ghost. There, then we see Peter and John, they went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, okay, and a lame man was there, and they healed the lame man. Right? Okay. And then if you go over and we look at Acts 5, And we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. And it says, Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with, here it is again, one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed." Okay, so now what am I seeing here? I'm seeing that on the day of Pentecost, God comes along and he says, my people need to be endued with power. And he comes along and he pours out the Holy Ghost. By the way, you have that if you've accepted the Lord Jesus and, and, and asked to be filled. Okay, so you have that. And with that, he gives a language. And suddenly, these disciples are speaking in this language. And immediately following after that, they started preaching and adding people to the church. And not only were they healing, they were doing miracles. They weren't, we're, we're not talking about a headache or a, a sniffle. We're talking about a lame man that had been lame from his birth, okay? And, and, and they're able to just go out there and pick him up. What's the connection? Must have been that language they were speaking. Hmm, something going on there with that, apparently. Now, we're sitting here in the church. And we have people, and this is not condemnation to anybody, so please, I'm talking to myself too. But we have people that are dealing with the same ailments over long periods of time, not able to get rid of it, just sitting there. As a matter of fact, we have people in the church who are broke, lame, mentally tormented. I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff going on in this church. Not only are we not healed in the church, we're not out there performing miracles. You see, when it said here when they were in Solomon's porch that the people esteemed them highly. How, how highly do you think the world is esteeming us? I don't think they're esteeming us hardly at all. I think they think that we're a bunch of nutcakes that talk about a lot of stuff, but there's no demonstration. And so now we have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves. Now, God said it was that it was possible, and everybody in that book was doing it, what is wrong? Could it be? Could it just be? It's just a question. 
Could it just be that we're just not spending any time with that first miraculous supernatural gift that God gave us? Absolutely. It's absolutely what's going on. The church is dead, sad, broke, busted, disgusted, sick, pathetic. Uh And it's our fault. Now, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just trying to get you to see something. I'm just trying to get you to understand. See, we've got all these ideas about how the power's going to come. Pastor's going to do it, and, you know, man, oh, kind of glory's coming, and they're going to bring it, and I'll just get in the flow, and something will supernaturally happen for me. And, and we want to sit at home and look at our computer and watch our TV and do our thing and be comfortable, and we don't want to take time to pray in the Holy Ghost because that's boring. And because my, because my flesh doesn't always feel good when I pray in the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, sometimes it makes my throat dry and makes my, it gives me a sore throat. And at the end of it, I don't feel a thing sometimes. We tend to want to have a feeling for everything. We're, we're, listen, you cannot, connect, you cannot contact the things of the Spirit with your flesh. Okay, We're not using this just purely because it just doesn't always feel good. We are, a, we are, in America especially, in America especially, we are a generation of people, man, we want comfort. Yes. And we want entertainment. And we want pleasure. And listen, all of us want that. I do too. But I also want power. Amen. And a lot of people say they do. A lot of people, all of y'all would agree with me if I asked you, do, do you want to have the power that when you walk down the street, that that sick person and you pass by them, and they're healed just because you walk by? Well, every one of you would say, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that, right? I certainly want it. And I'm preaching this message, and do I pray in tongues? Yeah, I do, but could I do a lot more of it? Oh, yes, and I need to. And I'm making a commitment that I'm going to. I'm hoping that by the time the night's over with, you will make that commitment also with me. Amen. The fact of the matter is, is that there has never been a powerful move of God in the earth without prayer. Never in history has there been a powerful move in the earth of God, uh, a move of God in the earth without men and women praying. And not just any prayer. Praying in tongues specifically. Specifically praying in tongues. Let's talk about that for a minute. Every great woman and man of God, every one of them, if you read about them and if you look into their lives, what you're going to find out over and over what they have in common is that they spent great amounts of time praying in the Holy Ghost. And we got quite comfortable letting them do that for us and we'll just come and, and, and be a bunch of sippy cup saints and we'll sit out here and we'll just... Have a little sip of their anointing, just a little sippy cup saint. That's good. That's good, Pastor. Give me another sip. Yum, yum. Give me a little bit more. Spoon feed us and hope we can latch on and get us a miracle from our pastor or our prophet or whoever it is, right? We've gotten comfortable with that. And the reason those men were powerful is because they paid the price. Let's talk about it. John G. Lake. Now, there's a guy... He went over to Africa, and they were suffering, I believe it was called the Black Death or something like that, where, where they, they had some sort of um, virus that was going around, and literally it would kill you within no time at all. You'd get it and be dead by that afternoon, literally. Now, John G. Lake, they did a study on him, and they put that thing in his hand and they looked at it under a microscope. And do you know that when he was praying in the Holy Ghost, that thing died? They could not figure out how was that man over there performing miracles, raising people up with this horrible disease, and he wasn't killing over dead himself. And you know what his secret was? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. That was his secret. Catherine Kuhlman. Who's heard of her? Now, now let's be honest. Let's be honest. I'm going to... God bless you, Catherine Kuhlman. You're a hero of mine, so if you're listening to me from heaven. But now, in the earthly way, in, in as far as what the world would consider, she didn't have much going for her. She wasn't a beautiful woman. She had the most peculiar mannerisms. People often were like, she's so dramatic and flamboyant with all of the way she talked. And, the, and, and you know, she 
rarely brought a very uh, detailed, deep, spiritual message. If you watch some of her films, and I have, because I've been very, very interested in what was the secret? What, what's going on with these people? And you know what her secret was? Communion with the Holy Ghost. She loved the Holy Ghost. And people would line up outside her building. And do you know that people would get, they'd get healed just, just, just by being in the proximity of her. She didn't even have to touch them. She didn't even have to touch them or pray for them. They'd just get healed sitting right out there, come out of their wheelchairs, everything. Why? Because she had communed with the Holy Spirit. She had communed with the Holy Spirit. And she would say, you watch her and so on, she'd say, please, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I've got. She was telling you the truth. She was telling you the absolute truth. That was all she had, the Holy Spirit. But it was enough. I'm going to ask you something. Hey, we may all be able to get up here and give a bunch of verses and teach a really deep message and, and, and all kinds of things, but yet people go out and they're still in the same condition they came in in. There's a power to be had in this speaking in tongues. Okay, so now let's, let's talk about Amy Simple McPherson. Have you all ever heard of her? Yeah, this lady would be out preaching and the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she'd go into trances. And literally, now, I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to hold your arm up like this for a real long time? I challenge you, just go ahead and pick your arm up and sit there for the rest of this service like this. And let me know how that feels in just about 10 minutes. You'll be dying, okay? She would be up preaching and the Holy Spirit would fall on that audience and she would go into a trance and stand there for the rest of the day and sometimes several days with her hand in that position that she went into the trance with. And it is recorded that not only would that happen to her, but it would happen to people that were within three miles of her meeting. People would randomly go into trances. And they actually had places. They started making beds and stuff so they could drag the people off <laughs> until they come out of their trance. And you say, well, what was happening there? Well, it was a sign and a wonder for the people looking on. But for her, she was in the presence of God. Amen. And she was getting powerful downloads. Mm -hmm. Was she preaching a different word? Nope. Was she preaching a message that's any different than what we know? Nope. What was the difference? She spent hours praying in the Holy Ghost. Hours praying in the Holy Ghost. That was her secret. That was her secret. Smith Wigglesworth. This guy was, was a plumber, and his wife was actually a better preacher than he was. Okay, And, and she, she often would do the preaching because he would just get tongue-tied and he wasn't good at speaking. Well, he went and he decided he did not have the, the, the anointing the way he wanted it, and he went and prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally he got the anointing the way he, it came on him strongly. And from that point on, not only could he out-preach his wife, but he suddenly had so many miracles, and he would do crazy things. I mean, he was the guy that, you know, would punch people in their stomach and a tumor and all kinds of things like that would happen in his in his meetings, and they would say that he was very, um, uh, he, he came across very gruff. He came across very gruff in his meetings, but that if you knew him in person, that he was the most gentle, nicest person ever. What was his secret? He was a plumber. He was a plumber. He didn't go to Bible college. He wasn't, he wasn't like, he, he wasn't super, you know, like, ooh, I got all the word in the word. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in the word. Y'all know that. <laughs> you know, if I preach, I give you all the verses. I believe in it. I wouldn't even know about the Holy Ghost for, if it weren't for the word or for Jesus. And so, and so the, the secret, once again, was this supernatural language. Let's talk about Kenneth Hagin. Oh, my goodness. We all know about him, right? Look at what he birthed in the earth. There are so many people that came out of Ramah and came out of, from under Kenneth Hagin. And he had miracles and signs and wonders, followed him everywhere that he went. I mean, he, he had people get healed. He had tumors drop off. He could prophesy. He could do and all of it, all of it. But once again, once again, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, that was the secret, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Let's move a little closer to home. Let's talk about Andrew Womack. Now, Andrew Womack, that's how I got baptized in the Holy Ghost because I was watching him on TV. I was coming out of the Baptist church, and he was there, and I, I, I loved his teachings. You know, I would sit and listen to him, and then one day he was talking about it. And because he came out of that Baptist background, he knew everything to say to talk to me what I needed to hear in order to understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that I needed it. And so he comes out of that, that background, and he started praying. He talks about, if you go back and look at some of his, I think it was in one of his books, How to Find, Follow, and Fulfill God's Will. And he's talking about how that in the beginning, when he first came out of that Baptist background, he wasn't even sure that this thing was doing anything. In other words, he didn't feel super anointed. He didn't get goosebumps, nothing. He would walk around his property, he said, for two hours every day praying in the Holy Ghost, and he wasn't even convinced that it was doing anything. <laughs> he's, like, he, he's like, I'm just trying this out. I don't even know if this is going to make any difference at all. And then he will tell you that after that, everything started changing in his life. That's when he started building his, uh, so much stuff happened. He's raised 13 people from the dead. He's seen miracles left and right. He started a Bible college, okay? And out of those 13 that he raised from the dead, one of them was his son who had been dead for five hours and was already in the morgue and had a toe tag. And one of them was his wife who got sick and, and died from something. He didn't explain what, but he raised her from the dead. And what was his secret? He'll tell you. He'll say, my mama will even tell you, I'm slow. Andy, you're not that smart. He'll tell, he, he'll tell you what his secret is. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost. That's the secret. That's the secret. Now, he saw the deaf ears, the you know, blind eyes, all of that. This has been the power source for so many men and women, and it is our power source also. Why do you think this thing is fought so hard by the enemy? Really, why do you think it's been fought so hard? It's been taught against, it's been maligned, it's been made fun of, it's been ridiculed, it's been, you've been told that it's of the devil. I mean, I came out of the Baptist church, they tried, now this is so dumb, I'm just going to tell you how dumb this is in just a minute. They tried to teach that, According to 1 Corinthians 13, let me just look at it real quick. According to 1 Corinthians 13, this was what they taught right here. It says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, I actually heard a Baptist preacher get up and say that when Jesus came, (laughs) that tongues was done away with. Uh, Hello? Tongues didn't come until Jesus came. It was after his death. So the first thing is that's just pure stupid theology. That That doesn't even line up with your Bible. But the second thing is, is they took that totally out of context. They're not talking about tongues there in specific. They're talking about love. The chapter is about love and that love, when everything else passes away, love will still be there. Why? Because love is God, obviously. Okay? So it's just pure stupid stuff that has been taught against it. The other thing is, man, you don't want to dabble in that because you might get, you know, an evil spirit. I mean... You could get into something bad. Well, now, according to Luke eleven thirteen. God said that if, if we're evil and we could give good gifts, if we ask for the Holy Spirit, that that's exactly what he's going to give us. Okay? So if you've been taught that stupidness, let me just, you just come talk to me and I'll help you with that. And so now we have to ask ourselves, obviously this praying in tongues is very powerful, but why is it so powerful? Why? Okay, so let's go look at 1 Corinthians 14 too. I already kind of led you all there anyway, I think. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So in other words, when I am speaking in a tongue, I'm speaking God's language and I'm in one accord with him. Remember, being in one accord gave them power. Remember that? And it was through their speech. 
They were in one accord, and they were in one accord with their speech. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, I bec- I, I'm lining myself up with the mysteries of God. And I get in one accord with him. Now, my understanding doesn't know what I'm praying about. Well, thank Jesus for that. We should be very happy for that because we can't doubt it. It's your most holy faith because you can't doubt nothing you're saying. You don't even know what you're saying most of the time. Except Jesus will give you interpretation if you pray for it. But, okay, so, so you're in one accord with God. when It says we're in one accord with God. Now, the next thing that can happen, if we look at 1 Corinthians 13.1, why is this powerful? That's what we're trying to find out here. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. Did you catch that? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Oh, wait a minute. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking angel language? What's that all about? Could it be? Could it be that I'm sending my angels on a mission? Could that be? Why else would I need to speak in the tongue of an angel? It says in, in, in Hebrews, it tells us that are, are not the angels ministering spirits sent to, to help us that are, that are heirs of salvation? Okay, so why is it powerful? Well, I'm in one accord with God. I speak his mysteries. Mysteries are things that cannot be understood with the natural mind. Mysteries are, or, okay? So I'm bypassing my knowledge and my wisdom, and I'm going straight to God's, and I'm in one accord with him. I'm speaking his language. I'm allowing him to pray for me. So it's super powerful. Now, we don't seem to think, we we hear that and it doesn't really mean a lot to us. I mean, we've heard that a lot. And we go, yeah, it's super powerful. Yeah. But once again, because we can't feel something, we just sort of dismiss that. But do you know that science got curious about this? And they started investigating it. And I've got a little film I want to play for you. So let's just play that film and then I'll get up and talk to you about that. You can go ahead and start that. Now this is not Christian people. Okay? edition of Martin Bashir. Today we examine the Christian practice of speaking in tongues. Those outside the church often say it's nothing more than gibberish. But some Christians claim that it's the purest form of prayer beyond the constraints of normal language. Nightline's Vicki Mabry reports on the science of speaking in tongues. It's an ancient practice mentioned in the Bible. St. Paul called it speaking in the tongues of angels. Jesus' apostles were first said to do it at Pentecost. The technical term is glossolalia. Most people call it speaking in tongues. At the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Andrew Newberg is looking for an explanation for what most regard as unexplainable. Yeah. I mean, it's not language. It's not regular language, at least, that would normally activate the frontal lobe. Newberg is exploring the relationship between faith and science, studying what happens in the brain during the deepest moments of faith. We're really going to look at this very, very powerful force in human history of religion and spirituality. I think we really have to take a look at how that affects our brain, what's changing or turning on or turning off in our brain. They're going to go around very fast right now. He's recently published a study of Americans speaking in tongues. Remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to them neurologically looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. Huh, interesting. We asked Pastor Jerry Stoltzfus to come to the university to have his brain scanned while he speaks in tongues. This way, we could see the experiment in action. I don't think faith is anything to be afraid of from science. Science validates faith. So bring it on, whatever the facts are, bring it on. Just go ahead and and you can begin prayer. First, he's told to pray in English. Father, I pray for each of the family members involved in this study. Grant them what they are looking for in their personal lives, for their vision and their potential. Then he's told to speak in tongues. This is the first scan when he was in prayer, speaking in English. This is the second scan when he is praying in tongues. 
Pastor Stoltzfus's scan showed that his frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls language, was active when he prayed in English, but for the most part, it fell quiet when he prayed in tongues. When they're actually engaged in this whole very intense spiritual practice, religious practice for them, their frontal lobes tend to go down in activity, but I think it's very consistent with the kind of experience that they have because they say that they're not in charge. They're, it's the voice of God, it's the spirit of God moving through them. Dr. Newberg says the results were even more dramatic on subjects who were scanned without a nightline crew in the room and who were not speaking in tongues on demand, as Jerry Stoltzfus had done. <laughs> Study participants like Donna Morgan first listened to music, then went to where the spirit took them. <laughs> in earlier studies, Dr. Newberg looked at what happens in the brains of Buddhist monks meditating and Franciscan nuns praying. And it was noticeably different from what happens to tongue speakers. That's in fairly stark contrast to the people who are like the Buddhists and the Franciscan nuns who were in prayer because they were very intensely focused. And in those individuals, the frontal lobes actually increase activity. But Dr. Newberg isn't out to prove or disprove anything. He can tell you what happens in the brain, not why. Were you skeptical going into the studies? If by skeptical, the question is, is this a real phenomenon, meaning that this is truly the voice of God speaking through them, that's a much more problematic question, I think, and something that I'm not sure <laughs> Unbelievers. that we've specifically answered simply by doing our study. But for those who believe, it doesn't matter if science can find the footprints of the Holy Spirit in their 21st century brain scans. When you've experienced this, you don't really care what anybody else thinks. It's personal for, in the first place. It is something between you and God. So we don't really care if it's validated or not, but it's fascinating when it is, so that people that have thought we're crazy can have something to look at and say, no, we're not. We're still crazy. We're just not crazy so far. <laughs> Mabry for Nightline in Philadelphia. The gray area where fact meets faith. Amen. Now that was a worldly uh, That's amazing. Uh, uh, news station, okay, and a neurosurgeon. I'm sorry, ABC. It was on ABC. Oh, I don't know when. I got it off of YouTube, but I think it's been a couple years ago. Okay, so now this was just a small little clip. What they didn't tell you that was when Dr. Newberg, that doctor right there, that neuroscientist, started doing this, some other neuroscientists got interested in this. And they also started uh, studying people as they were praying in tongues, and they called in 1,000 subjects and had them pray in tongues, and they found some very interesting stuff. This other neuroscientist, I would have brought a film from him, but it was kind of hard to understand him. He had a, an accent. So I took what I could understand. There was some stuff I probably missed, but okay. So, <laughs> and what they found was, see, you know, as humans, we don't use all our brain. Right. It's true. And there's like 95% of our brain that they don't even know what it's for. That's right. And they found that when these subjects were praying in the Holy Ghost, guess uh -huh. what? <laughs> Those areas lit up. Amen. They don't light up for anything else you're doing. But when they prayed in the Holy Ghost on a consistent basis, they found that, that, that those dead areas in your brain lit up. And not only did they find that, they found out your brain grew. You actually grew new gray matter. And it's interesting to find out what the area was that they grew new brain matter in. You know what the areas were that they noticed it the most? In the areas of impulse control. Impulse control. Are you struggling with addiction? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Men, are you having a hard time stopping your cussing? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Are you, are you, what's the problem? What's the problem? Pray in the Holy Ghost. So they actually grew in the ability, it sounds a lot like fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Self-control, temperance. Amen. And then the other area that the brain grew, now listen to me, was in what they called the engineering area or the place where we do critical thinking and decision making. 
So literally, praying in the Holy Ghost makes you smarter. Truthfully, makes you smarter. And not only did they find that out, what they also found out is that the subjects who prayed in the Holy Ghost, they tested them, their their immune system came up by 40%. Now these are neuroscientists, these these aren't pastors or or whatever. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. So now look, the world's out there going, there's something going on with this. And we're in the church equipped to do it. And we're sitting around going, but I can't feel anything. And it's boring. And my favorite TV show's on. And I'm tired. And I just want to sit down and look at YouTube. And I need to chat with my friends on chat, snap, Twitter, whatever it is. Okay? I, you know, I just don't have time. And besides, Teresa, I'm busy. Look, we are all busy. That is part of the problem. We live in this 24... 20- listen, listen. We've got internet. We, we're on the go. You can be contacted 24-7. You've got computers and internet and, and, and TV and, and radios and, and work from sunup to sundown. And if you go home, you can still be working because you have internet and a cell phone. I mean, it never stops. It never stops. And we've crowded God out. Could it be that if we, let, if we pulled back on that work just a little bit and gave him some more, we wouldn't have to work so hard? Yeah. Well, we'd be smarter. Don't they say work smarter, not harder? <laughs> Amen, right? Right? Okay. Let's look at Romans 8, 26. Y'all are familiar with this. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So why is it powerful when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost? Well, I'm in one accord with God. I'm speaking the mysteries of God, okay? And now I find out that I'll pray as I ought to, because I could spend all day praying in my English tongue, and I I won't pray as I ought to. He just said so. And the word groanings right there, it means language that cannot be, it it, it means uh, words that cannot be expressed in our language, in known language. In known language. That's pretty amazing. So basically the Holy Spirit has given me a supernatural language here. He groans for me in a language that I don't even have words for. I don't even have, there's nothing in the English if you wanted to translate it or any other language that you could translate it. Why? Because it's the mysteries of God. It's the mysteries of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's kind of exciting to me. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.4. And we're about to wrap up here in just a minute. It says, here's another one we're familiar with. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now that word edify, we know that it means to build us up, to to, to charge us up. But what we've not heard is that it also means to increase in intelligence. Increase in knowledge and intelligence. Think about that in light of what we just saw. So when I pray in the Holy Ghost, I increase in my intelligence. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Okay, now, remember, God said his church was to be a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. And remember that God said that you are the temple. You are. So that means that you are to be a house of prayer a house of prayer. And he has said that for us who believe, nothing would be impossible. Remember back. (coughs) Excuse me. Got a frog here. (laughs) Hold on. Remember back at the Tower of Babel, (coughs) he said that they were all speaking one language and nothing was impossible. I just have this question for you guys. I just wonder what would happen 
If each of us, you say, how are we all going to get in one accord? Man, we all go in different directions. We all have different opinions. We're all thinking about something different. Teresa, you'll never get everybody in one accord on a Sunday morning. Oh, but wait a minute. <clears throat> what if you just worried about getting yourself in one accord with God and I worried about getting myself in one accord with God and she worried about getting herself in one accord with God and we're all in one accord with God, which means we'll be in one accord with each other. I'm just curious what would happen if a Sunday morning everybody in here just committed. That on the way to church, I won't, I'm not going to dilly-dally. While I put my makeup on, while I get dressed, I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'll press in to the mysteries of God. And while I drive to church, I will press in to the mysteries of God. I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. What do you think might happen if we came in in one accord? If all of us... Not just pastor. Right, that's good. If, if we quit sitting around waiting for pastor to give us a little spoonful of something. Wonder what would happen. Oh, maybe, maybe we'd see what these prophets and pastors have been telling us is coming. Maybe we could just quit waiting for it and just go right ahead and jump into it. What a thought that is. And maybe... We'd look like what the Bible said we'd look like, and nothing would be impossible for us. Amen. And maybe we'd actually do <clears throat> the works of Jesus. Yes. What an idea. <clears throat> what an idea. So, it's my hope that tonight I've inspired you just a little bit. Yes. I, I hope that, that you'll look at this a little differently, and you'll go, you know what? It's not about what I feel. It's about what God's word said. You know, we're all wanting supernatural, and you have this supernatural thing. We all want the other gifts. Well, this is the doorway to all the other gifts. God's not withholding anything from you. You're withholding from yourself. We withhold from ourselves because we don't follow the directions. He said, pray without ceasing. Well, you know you're not going to do that in your English language. If you've ever tried, you know that ain't going to happen, right? And so, tonight we're going to practice what we just preached, amen? And so we're going to spend a few moments praying in the Holy Ghost. And I want every person in here who is filled with the Holy Ghost to pray. I don't want to look out there. I may embarrass you, I'm telling you right now. I may call you out if I look out there and you are not praying in the Holy Ghost. And you ask these people that have been in my class and foundations, and they'll tell you, yes, she'll do that. Won't I, Amber? (laughs) All right, so if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, I expect to see you praying in the Holy Ghost. If you haven't, then by all means, come see me afterwards or see Pastor, okay? By all means, let's leave here practicing what we preach. And so Rose, rose, kira la batiri la mandara la boko roboko sendere de 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 kiri de 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 hiri bariyama na la manda. Rebe de 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 sura batata, hara batata, hara batata. Rose, kara la batiri na mandere lebe kere de 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 hi. 
Oh, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, good. You know, a lot of the things of God are simple. So let's talk about one of these that she mentioned for a moment. You know, we have a lot of young people in this church that are very wise and smart for their age. Chloe, Caleb, Nikki, Megan, Justin. Why is there such a difference in them than the average person their age? It isn't just because they come to church. It's because they pray in the Spirit. And their intellect is way beyond their, their age. Their character is way beyond their age. Now here, think about this. If that's true, and it is, and, and I'm not downing school, please don't. But the world told us to go to school, but Paul didn't go to school. I mean, Paul did go to school. And he was mean. Solomon didn't. Jesus didn't. Peter didn't. Smith Wigglesworth couldn't even read. Never read anything but one book. When I was at Ramah, there was a man there that got a hold of Brother Hagin's tapes on being led by the Holy Ghost. And he was an investor. And he took $200. Went in a closet and started praying over it in tongues. I don't know how many years later, I think it was like 10 years later, he was worth like 13 or 14 million. And he never lost a penny. Because he never did anything without spending time praying in the Holy Ghost. We think that the Holy Ghost is just for church and maybe... He said he would lead you into all knowledge, not a little bit, all, everything you need to know, he'll lead you into it. Now, that, that's a supernatural language. I don't believe we've ever scratched the surface of the gift. Now, let's talk about denominational people, not to throw anyone under the bus. We all have family members 
They don't speak in tongues. They'll tell you we don't speak in tongues. They, have, they cannot fathom healing. They, they can't see it. They can't understand it. It is a total mystery that healing is compassion. Let me use a word here. That's just stupid. These people are stupid. It's stupid. You're, that's, that's dumb. They believe tongues done away with, healing done away with. Nothing they believe other than being born again is right. Nothing. They have no knowledge of the Bible other than being born again. Not a drop. They believe everything that happens good and bad is God. They read the Bible and the Bible doesn't even make sense. What would be the difference? What would make a difference? Because you've talked to them. It don't do any good to talk to them. But if you could ever get one of them filled with the Holy Ghost start speaking in tongues, they'd come out of stupid real quick. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm just telling the honest to God truth. That is why there's denomination. There's no miracles. They don't, their doctrines are screwed up. Everything about it's screwed up. Other than the fact that we're going to die, we're going to heaven. Praise God they got that. But I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that to, to pick. But Andrew was a Baptist. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And all the books you've written came from speaking in tongues. Because the Holy Ghost wrote the Bible. The, Holy, the, the, guy, the guy that makes you speak in tongues, he wrote the book. So if you don't speak in tongues, the book makes some sense. Isn't that amazing? Not just the book makes sense, but everything. The, spirit, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. You would do better to teach your kids to pray than to put them 8,000 years in a university. Get 4,000 degrees. I'm being serious. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not important to get a degree in whatever. You want to be a doctor? Please, by God, get a, doc- a degree. But the best doctors in the land speak in tongues. The doctor down in South Florida, that the, uh, cardi- the, the heart doctor, uh, he's actually raised people from the dead that died on his operating table while he was doing a heart. He's, he's doing a heart transplant and they died. And he went, Jesus' name, laid hands on him, commanded him to come back and finish the operation. That's the guy you want operating on you. Now, come on, there's, think about this, what she did tonight. I got so excited when she told me. There is way more to this than we have discovered. But the problem has been is that the, the carnal man fights, even your flesh fights you. What am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? It takes faith to obey God. It takes faith to obey God. And you, you have to go, well, God said so, let's do it. Let's go. That's your, the, any other reason, because when you're done, you may not know but, you know, there's been a many a day that I've prayed over something and bam, all of a sudden I knew, oh, better you better do so-and-so and you better do it now and you better do it this way. And, and I would like, oh, yeah. Um, things I've lost, I, all of a sudden I knew where they were. Certain things that I'd been praying about financially, I had to make an adjustment because I was going the wrong direction. And I've even made a few mistakes and lost some money, even though in my heart I knew what I was doing was not right. But I, but, but I got into my intellect. I got into my mind. I got into thinking. And I talked to myself right out of obeying God. I mean, when you lose $50,000, that's no big deal. But to some of y'all, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It is to me a big deal. I don't ever do it again. A lot of times Lisa says we're going to do something. I said, well, we're going to go pray about it until we get a peace. Because I ain't doing it. Amen. Isn't this cool? I love the part that where they said people pray in tongues, their intellect increases. Think about that a minute. You can actually get smarter. Oh, and I forgot to say one other thing. They found out that the people who prayed in tongues did not have mental illnesses. If, even if they started having mental illnesses, if they continued to pray in tongues, they were cured of mental illnesses. We make... One of our sons praying tongues often. Come on in here, sit down in the living room, praying the Holy Ghost. 
He just takes off praying to him. He don't know what he's saying. We don't know what he's saying. He just prays in the Holy Ghost. We don't know what to do with him, but God does just pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and we've seen a change. Isn't this, wasn't this good? You're going to have to make a decision. Paul Youngie Cho got an illness because he wore himself out and he was in, his church hit 3,000 people and he was, in, he was bedridden and it wore, it wore his worst flesh out and he went to bed. He said, all I could do was pray in tongues. His church grew while he laid it in bed at home praying the Spirit. That's why I've been going to bed more. Now on a real serious note, and now we've got to get real serious here for a moment. There's a scripture that says that a fool runs when no one's chasing him. So I quit jogging. And I just thought y'all help me know something real deep all of a sudden, you know. Wasn't this good? Let's, tell, let's give Teresa a hand. Tell her we appreciated her getting it. You know, she said something. It would be fun. It would be sweet to come in on Sunday morning and you're not trying to get in here and get out and just spend some time worshiping God and praying the Holy Ghost. We all want everything to change, but you know what? It's not all that hard. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Father God, thank you for tonight. I thank you for Teresa teaching this. and Thank you for the doctor who was curious enough to, fit, to want to know what's happening inside of a person. And I, I'll tell them that. I'll tell them that. I'll tell them that. And we give you the glory and honor for all that's done in Jesus' name. I went to the doctor one time, and they said they wanted to put paddles on me and kick my heart back into rhythm. And so they knocked me out. When I came out of under anesthesia, he asked me, are you Spanish? I said, no. I said, I do know how to, don't style baño. I know how to go to the bathroom. He said, when we knocked you out, you started talking out loud in a foreign language. The whole time, he said, but we don't understand because we knocked your brain out. He said, your brain wasn't working. We knocked you out. He said, so something was going on with you so that you could actually start talking in another language. I said, well, I said, he asked me, I said, well, you wouldn't understand it if I told you. And I didn't go into it with him because I thought, you don't, I don't think you really want to know what was going on with me while you had me knocked out. But anyway, I always thought that was kind of interesting. Laying in a hospital, knocked out, praying in tongues real loud. Amen. Well, y'all get out of here and have a good night. God bless every one of you. Thank you for coming to church. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.